Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Welcome back. This is the second hour of Mornings with Carmen on this 21st day of May. Um, So, you know, every morning I open my little email aggregators and I see what everybody's out there talking about so that I can be prepared to help you bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. And several sources let me know this morning that uh, in the spraying room at Lego headquarters, um, there are 11 brand new minifigures. Uh, under uh, under production, imagining leading us all into a brighter future under a very uh, glossy rainbow-esque arch. And so, yes, the headline let me know that uh, Lego uh, is now releasing the inaugural LGBTQAI plus set titled Everyone is Awesome. Now, everyone is awesome. Will for those of you that are Lego fans, um, absolutely uh, bring back memories of a song, the theme song of a movie. Everyone is awesome, uh, and which is the Lego movie, or one of the Lego movies. And so they're doing this in deference to celebration of acknowledgement of um, Pride Month, which starts on June the first. And so I just think that it's one of those things that you and I need to be aware of, we need to recognize is happening, and then we need to ask ourselves, you know, how do I feel about um, a a really, really cute, frankly, really, really cute Lego set that features 11 multicolored minifigures and a beautiful little rainbow arch? You know, I got to feel what I feel like um, I know how to redeem that. Because I know what the rainbow is. Uh, we just had a conversation this week with Dr. Um, uh, Ellie Eisenberger from Israel about the meaning of the rainbow uh, in Hebrew. It's this war bow. Uh, it's, it's the bow as in a bow and arrow. It's a war bow. It's a reminder that um, God is no longer aiming the war bow at us, but that he has reversed it. It is not aimed at the earth it is, uh, he has reversed the, the course of wrath in terms of pouring out his wrath upon all humanity and upon all the earth, like it's the bow set in the sky as a reminder to God himself. It's God's thing. And so anytime you see a rainbow, anytime you see the rainbow being uh, redefined by someone else in the culture, anytime you see someone flying a rainbow flag, you know, I just don't think we ought to get all exercised about it. I think we ought to remind people of the real meaning. I think we ought to take them back to the book of Genesis. I think we ought to have a conversation about the rainbow. I think we ought to have a conversation about where color comes from, where light comes from, where light comes from. In fact, you know, light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it, but the darkness doesn't like it either. And so do you want to live in the light? You want to live in the dark. Um, And there's a path of darkness that leads to destruction. 
Um, and a lot of people wander into it. And frankly, the corruption of uh, not only the understanding of the self, but sexuality and human relationships and marriage is all a part of that. And so there's always an opportunity for you and I to engage in these conversations. Let us not be afraid of 11 uh, multicolored minifigures, nor the rainbow arch upon which they are going to stand. I can tell you when kids see this, they're going to be attracted to it. It's beautiful. Um, and it's and it's kind of fun. And so let me just go ahead and tell you, I'm just not going to be one of those people that is going to say, nobody in my house is ever going to play with Legos again. Because I got to tell you, that's not happening. They're going to play with Legos. And so how can I help them understand uh, the rainbow as something that God created, God sets in the sky, God means for a purpose, what it's really about, and, um, you know, who all of these color of the rainbow people are in this new Lego mini set. Because red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I feel like there's a redemptive opportunity in the whole Lego news conversation of the day. Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In is up next. Plugged In joins me now. You can find the headlines we are discussing today at PluggedIn.com. Adam, welcome back. Hello, Carmen. Hello. So, <laughs> High School Musical. Um, I remember High School Musical. Why are you and yeah. I talking about High School Musical today? Well, you know, like all popular franchises, Disney Plus has figured out a way to continue to monetize something that kids love. High School Musical was um, a couple of movies about a decade-ish ago. Uh, that launched the careers of a whole bunch of people. Um, and now it is a TV series. And it's sort of like Glee Light. Uh, and Glee is another series, obviously, uh, that ran its course. And anybody hearing me compare High School Musical to Glee might be tempted to say, wait, 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 wait. High School Musical is way more innocent than Glee was. And that's true. Uh, Glee veered into a lot of really problematic territory, and High School Musical doesn't quite go there. But I would say that it is closing the gap. And obviously, uh, I'm assuming people know what I mean when I say High School Musical. This is about a high school group that does musicals. So it is set in the you know the drama department, and it's a bunch of adolescents doing uh, high school musical things together. And th this particular season involves a competition between different schools doing different musicals. Um, but uh, we're beginning to see, again, as the as the culture, it seems like, impinges upon everything, you know, we've got some verbal references to same-sex relationships. You know, there's, there is a gay couple, two guys, and one of them jokes about how awful it would be to have straight guys in theater. Uh, and so it reinforces, I think, that um, that stereotype. Certainly, the theater is a place where stereotypically we think about there being lots of, of folks who may be gay. Uh, the extent to which that is true is a separate conversation, but, but here we have a show that's reflecting that. So you may think, oh, High School Musical, great. I remember when Zac Efron and Demi Lovato and all those folks were on. Yeah, this is, this is more problematic, uh, not, 
in a revolutionary way, but definitely in an evolutionary way. Um, all right, Jungle Beat. I got to tell you, Jungle Beat looks super fun. Yeah, you know, Jungle Beat is a new animated movie, and it is streaming. It actually came out last week. Um, and if you go to our website, you will see a picture of a really cute elephant, a really cute monkey, and a really cute blue thing that it's actually pretty difficult to figure out what it is. And that's because that is an alien named Fneep. And Fneep comes from the planet Skuldron. And his goal to earn uh, the esteem of his fellow Fneepians is <laughs> to completely uh, invade and take over Earth, which is what, of course, aliens do when they come to Earth. Luckily... He crash lands in Africa. He meets a bunch of friendly animals who convince him that there is a better way and that he doesn't have to be a genocidal, uh, you know, alien force killing everything that they can all be friends. So this is a sweet little movie. Uh, it's got no content of significance to speak of. And it's streaming on Netflix. And I think it's a reminder, Carmen, that there's a whole spectrum of stuff on Netflix. There's a lot of stuff that's hugely problematic, um, but there's a lot of content that's actually uh, pretty good stuff too. So we've just got to exercise discernment and using those parental control filters and setting up these services in a way that, uh, you know, we can get the most out of them while protecting our families at the same time. Okay. Now I'll just confess to you this next one. I had to, I had to look up because, um, sometimes people don't go by their name. They go by their stage name or they go by right their persona. So when you told me we were going to look at a documentary featuring pink, I had to look up who that is and what that was all about. So talk with us, um, talk with us about all I know so far, which is a documentary about pink. Yep. Not the color, not like the, not like the lesbian advocacy group. I'm telling you, I had to look it up because I'm like, is pink a good thing or a bad thing? It's more than a color. All right, go. Well, and, and the answer to that is yes. And pink, uh, her real name is Alicia Beth Moore. Pink's been around a long time, not to shame you for your lack of knowledge. Forgive me. Not what I'm trying to do. No, it's okay. Um, I have, there's no shame. My lack of knowledge related to, uh, media and social media is, is, is aberrant and I know it. So go ahead. So Pink came along in the early 2000s, and she was huge. I mean, she was probably not quite Eminem big, but definitely in that same territory. She was one of the pop stars of the early 2000s, and she has continued to make music. Now, she built her career on the stereotypical, I'm talking about stereotypes again, angry, rebellious, uh, you know, rock star. And so some of her early stuff is, is really pretty problematic. But a funny thing happened along the way to Pink growing up. Um, She got married and she has had a kind of a difficult marriage. At one point, um, she's married to a famous motocrosser, Carrie Hart, and they separated for a while, but they got back together and they now have two kids. And sometimes with rock stars, and we've certainly seen this with Madonna, Madonna still thinks it's 1983, like there has been a stubborn refusal to acknowledge that that was 40 years ago, right? Um, but Pink has actually matured, and she sings a lot, a lot about pretty difficult subjects, brokenness, but but hope uh, and love and marriage and her stuff. And she still can be, 
someone with a lot of attitude. We still see profanities creep in there. But this is a, a documentary that, that gives us a behind-the-peak look at her life and her commitment to her family. It's a very pro-family movie. She takes her kids on the road with her. And it's really hard not to just kind of be taken by her and really appreciate who she is. Now, um, that's all pretty glowing. Like I said, there's still some language here. And we do get an affirmation of, you know, any kind of sexuality you want to embrace. Pink is totally on board with that. So it, it feels like unless you are a conservative Christian in a public space these days and one with a lot of conviction, uh, that sort of blanket acceptance of every kind of sexual everything is just part of the deal. So we certainly see that here. But if you're a Pink fan, um, this is uh, uh, showing on Amazon Prime and is actually pretty good. All right. See, there you go. I knew you could get us all set up. When we come back from a very brief break, Adam Holtz and I are going to talk about a few other media headlines, including Sadie Robertson, who had a baby. She's just a baby. That seems impossible. All right. That's up next. Her Mornings with Carmen. First of all, let me just ask this question. How is it possible that Sadie Robertson is 23 years old? Because wasn't she just a little girl yesterday? Uh, she was just a little girl yesterday. And I will refrain from saying how old that makes us. Oh, wait, I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it snuck out. All right, who is looking. Sadie Robertson and why are we talking about her today? She um, is the daughter of some of the Duck Dynasty folks. Um, forgive me, I'm not going to get the names on her parents okay. right, but but she's you know somebody who grew up in the public eye when Duck Dynasty uh, was a thing, and she is someone who um, has a huge social media following. She's always just been adorable, and I think with adorable kids that grow up in the public eye, you always sort of hold your breath to see if they're going to go full Miley Cyrus or not. You know, Miley Cyrus used to talk a lot about Jesus and virginity and stuff too, and it all flew out the window. I'm so, so thrilled that Sadie Robinson chose to get married. She's now having children, and she's just had her first baby and and had a, a beautiful Instagram post. Here is what I love about it. She's talking about the lessons she is being, the lessons she's learning um, from her daughter, Honey, about being made in God's image. And so she's thinking theologically about life. And I think to navigate our culture these days, we have to be thinking intentionally and theologically and helping our kids to do that. And you don't accidentally start thinking about being made in the image of God. She's thinking that way because her parents taught her about that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so now she is passing that along to the next generation. And she has a whole series of observations in this Instagram post um, about what it means to be made in the image of God. I'll just read one of them. Um, she says, to see a miracle, you have to go through a moment of desperation, fear, and even pain. But none of those feelings compare to the gratitude of receiving the miracle. Of course, she's talking about giving birth. And then she says, my body is much more than an image. It's a powerful creation that can host and grow a powerful creation. If I ever, and ever is in all caps, get tripped up about my body image again, it better be me tripping over the fact that I'm made in the image of God. And so I love that she's connecting that theological concept to how she sees and thinks about her body and how she thinks about her child. So 
Uh, honestly, I, I, I feel like I want to write a huge article about this story because it's fantastic. It really, it might okay. be the best story I've seen this year. <laughs> I, I know. Me too. I just totally love it. When you write the story, you have to reach back to the April 23rd post that she had on Instagram okay. when she shared her reasoning behind um, the name Honey. Okay. Because uh, in we'll that, that, she focuses on Proverbs um, 1624. Okay. Um, and she's, you know, gracious words are like honey, sweetness to the soul and the health of the body. Oh, wow. That's great. And yeah, so she says, I've always loved this verse. Um, uh, it, it made me uh, have a love for the idea of all that this little honey is. Oh, so like she's talking yep. about her as a sweet delicacy, like strong yeah. healing. I mean, it's just so it's so great. So, yeah, this is not a it wouldn't be a one off if you chose to write a, an article about it. And we would all love that because then we could share it with our friends and then we could get God yeah. back into the conversation and it would be it would make us all so happy. Exactly. Very much. OK. So. Now, let's talk about something else that um, people may have already watched, um, and that is the Billy Graham um, program on PBS. I did not see it, so tell me about it. No, I missed it, too. You know, I think the one of the hazards of living in 2021 is that there's so much content that sometimes we miss really good stuff uh, before it comes out. And this PBS program um, is as, it's streaming on their documentary channel and if you said wait pbs has a documentary channel yeah it's called <laughs> pbs documentaries prime video channel which feels like a, a marketer's nightmare to sneak all that in um, and if you don't have it you can get it for 3.99 a month through amazon prime so you got to sort of tack it onto your amazon prime account uh it may be that you see all the documentaries you want to see within a month so think of it as about the same as a cup of coffee, and you can see this phenomenal um, show about Billy Graham's life. And again, talk about someone who influenced our culture massively and stayed utterly faithful to the very end. Um, he died a couple of years ago at the ripe old age of 99. So I, I think that we all are in need of some inspirational content these days, and that will uh, that'll give it to you for this week. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's really, really good. All right. That is Adam Holtz. Thank you. As always, it's always so much fun to talk with you. Um, we'll have to we'll have to talk about will you want to do like one minute on Instagram for kids? I mean, I know it's a long conversation, yeah. but you no, can probably but it's, but it's not really. Instagram for kids is bad. Thankfully, lots of people <laughs> recognize that. Facebook has said they were thinking about it. Forty attorneys general have written a letter saying this is a bad thing. And we talk about it a whole bunch more on our podcast, The Plugged In Show, uh, this week. So you can find that at thepluggedinshow.com. That's so fantastic. All right. All of this you can get at pluggedin.com, including The Plugged In Show podcast. Hey, thanks. That's awesome. Thank you, Adam. You bet. Thank you, Carmen. Well, absolutely. We've got to take a break for Breakpoint. We all want our kids to grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. So what does that look like emotionally? What does that look like intellectually? Well, today, what does that look like relationally? We're going to talk with Dewey Wilson about the relationally intelligent child, five ways to help your kids connect well with others. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 
One of my favorite places on earth is a grove that sits on the Guadalupe River. It's a peaceful place and trees, all the trees. They weather the winters, they celebrate the summers. They're all bent, no perfect tree. Even so, they provide the perfect place to find peace. Humanity is like that grove of trees. Though we attempt to stand tall, none of us succeed. We all twist and turn. We're a collection of bent timber, and that's okay. There's beauty in our bentness. So enjoy the society of the bent timber. Cut people some slack. Reduce your number of pet peeves. Be patient with people who pet them. The world, for all its quirky people, is a wonderful place to live. And the sooner we can find the beauty, the happier we'll be. This is Max Locato, and this is how happiness happens. All right, joining me now is one of the authors of The Relationally Intelligent Child, Dewey Wilson, is here today. He has co-authored this book with John Trent. Dewey, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Thanks for having Good me. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for being here. All right, so let's, um, let's just start with the reality that we were designed for connection, that we are designed um, by God to be people who are in relationship. Well, I mean, first of all, when you think about the relationship between God the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, that was a perfect relationship. And then, then He created us in His image. And once, uh, once He did, then that that automatically means that He also created us with a with a need to relate well with others. So when we um, when we talk about all the ways in which we want our kids to grow up in every way into Christ. Like, it occurs to me that this one should be the easiest one. Like, we should, I mean, you know, maybe emotional intelligence is hard and maybe actual intelligence, like, you know, smarty pants intelligence is sometimes hard. Like, we've all become educators in ways we maybe never thought we would in the last year. Um, and But relational intelligence, like, doesn't it just seem it like this should be intuitive? And yet, your book really helps me understand this is not intuitive. This doesn't happen naturally. This actually needs to be intentional. That's a great point, uh, Carmen, because it, it, yes, it is. And, you know, and, and just as we were talking a while ago, is that, you know, when as believers, um, God has given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. And so what that means for us as parents is that he's given us the ability uh, to love our children unconditionally. And I mean, man, who nobody can love a child unconditionally more than a parent can. But man, I'm telling you, especially with these these last 16 months with COVID, I mean, we we um, uh, I, I have a I have an earned PhD that I that I received just a couple of years ago, late in life, and uh, Dr. Trent encouraged me to go back and, and get to get my degree. And my dissertation, Carmen, was on millennial narcissism and how it impacts their ability to commit to long term relationships, mm-hmm. and and actually that's what this how this book uh, was birthed. Uh, because in my research, and I, I, I didn't just research one university with, out of a psychology department of students there, uh, I, I researched uh, kids all across the United States and even some in Europe. And uh, what I found is, is that these kids aren't narcissistic. I mean, these kids are highly entitled and have a huge sense of, uh, uh, of expectations that have been afforded to them by culture. 
And so um, what happens then is you have, you have to ask yourself, okay, where's the breakdown? Is it, is it, is it in culture in general? And while IQ is, is incredibly important, I mean, what parent doesn't want their kid to succeed academically? But, man, I'm telling you, after these 16, last 16 months, uh, what's needed is, uh, is for us to go back and, and uh, recapture some of the ground that our children have lost. And, and when parents don't have the skills, um, oftentimes I say we're one generation removed uh, from, you know, from um from kids who just really have no clue about how to become parents themselves because they haven't had good models, role models for the last couple of generations. Okay, so let's start there um, because I think there are definitely people listening right now who are now saying, um, how could we ever give to someone? How could we ever give to the next generation what we ourselves don't have? It's impossible to pass along to someone something that I don't have. So what is relational intelligence? And um, and then let's walk through the elements of it. But I do want to get to the question of how can we as adults, maybe as parents, um, get to a place with our kids that maybe we haven't even yet been ourselves? Well, and that's here again, that's kind of the basis of why Dr. Trent and I wrote this book in such a very practical way. Now, as you said earlier, it's some of this you would think would just be so intuitive, but it, but we have to learn this type of behavior. And so when we begin to think, what the, you know, what is relational intelligence? Is it, is it anything like IQ? Well, IQ is a capacity-based learning tool. And, you know, depending on how you, they, you can take the assessment and then depending on how you score, then that's going to determine how smart you are. Well, th- that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, is more of an application of relationship skills that you must learn. And, and so therefore the, we define it as, uh, it is a, uh, it is the ability to, to learn, to understand and apply the relationship skills that God intended for us to, to have. And, you know, for, I would encourage a parent, a parent that, that's like, man, my child is beginning to get off the rails. I have no idea what to, you know, what to even to do. Well, that's why we, we start right with the foundation of what's called secure attachment. And, um, in here again, you know, loving our child unconditionally. And, you know, it's, it's also, uh, research has also proved, Carmen, that, that our children will take stress cues from us. In other words, if we're stressed, they're going to be stressed. Uh, you know, research has even shown that as, you know, as infants, that they have proven to be more stressed out as infants when their parents are stressed out. So one of the the first things we say in the book is that that parents can do is just to to to, to be calm. In other words, just to take a breath and realize that you know uh, God has given uh, everyone the ability to change, and yet we live in a world. I think you know I've heard it said that change only occurs in one of three ways: is when you have enough that you're able to, when you know enough you want to, or when you hurt enough that you're forced to. And so often, I think it's the the latter for for most of us. And so, we just want to in, encourage parents that you know that that you you can start by doing just one small thing every day, just to step into their world and to and to learn how to bless them with you know with words of affirmation or with with meaningful touch. And just by starting right there, and then going through these other uh, four elements that build on a secure attachment in the book. Yeah, we, we we've also got a website called the relationally intelligent and, and and we want we want parents to interact with us in, in the, this website to learn how to do these tools. All right, the the relationally intelligent child dot com 
Um, we are talking about the book, The Relationally Intelligent Child, Five Keys to Helping Your Kids Connect Well with Others. Uh, Dewey Wilson, alongside John Trent, uh, co-authored this book. We're going to continue talking about it in the five elements here in just a moment, but I want to tell our listeners we do have copies to give away. Our friends at Moody Publishers have made those available. So if you're saying to yourself, oh, this is totally what I need. I know I need to be more well-equipped uh, to help my child grow up in this way. Um, if you want to enter the drawing for the copies of The Relationally Intelligent Child that we have here in studio to give away, just go ahead and text the word BOOK to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four. The five elements covered in the book, secure attachment, fearless exploration, unwavering resilience, wise decision-making, and future-focused servants, service. Dewey Wilson and I will be right back. All right, I might just start with this really, really simple idea. Um, if there's a baby in your house, put down your phone and pick up the baby. That um, that will be my first encouragement today uh, in terms of um, helping your child become uh, relationally intelligent, right? So part of this is just about basic relational stuff, but sometimes we didn't learn it and um, and nobody has told us, and so... One of the great things that doctors Dewey Wilson and John Trent are sharing with us and their relationally intelligent child um, is is frankly a crash course on uh, our own our own need to be more relationally intelligent. So um, so Dewey, let's continue the conversation. You know, we've talked a little bit about secure attachment, but there are four other elements that you cover in here: fearless exploration, unwavering resilience wise decision-making, and future-focused service. We don't have time to talk about all of them, so I'm going to let you pick one. Well, I'm, I, what you just said a while ago was just brilliant. Uh, because, you know, and, and, you know, in the book we say we're not asking parents hey, that's to because have... That's because my, my listeners know I'm like baby-starved <laughs> after 14 months. I told everybody when the CDC, uh, you know, said the other day, we could take off our masks, we don't have to socially distance. I, like, told people, I'm like, warning you, if you had a baby and I know you, I'm coming after your baby. Like, I was like, missed that, right? Put down the phone, pick up the baby. There you go. Yeah, well, you know what? It's, uh, it's, what's so interesting about that, Carmen, is that is uh, the, really the, the precepts by which this uh, secure attachment was developed. Uh, it was uh, created by a group of people, but more so an individual named John Bowlby back in the, you know make about seven eight uh, decades ago, and the whole premise of it is is that you know when a child is is born they have specific needs, and when they reach out to a caregiver, uh, and that caregiver begins to reach back to them, then that automatically forms a bond between the caregiver and that child. And there's different levels of attachment, uh, obviously, with different people, whether it be in community or whether it be with a, a grandparent. But but there is no stronger attachment than that, that parent-child bond. And so when you said, you know, put down the phone and pick up the baby, that's that's the first, actually, step of beginning to, to attach to a child. And, you know, it's loving them unconditionally. But more than that, what it is, is each time that you, you perform these acts of, of attachment, well, then you're creating a safe base or a, a, a secure environment at home for these kids to be able to always come back to. And, you know, I was a home builder for many, many years before my wife and I went into to, uh, 
uh, uh, ministry about 18 years ago. And, you know, at building a home, uh, we spent a lot of time on the foundation. And I mean, how many people walk into a brand new home and they're, you know, they're so enamored by all of the beautiful things in it that, that they say, man, this is the most incredible foundation I've ever seen. <laughs> and, well, they, they don't, but, but yet it's the most important part of that home because if the foundation is not right, then the rest of the house is not going to be right. Well, that's That's kind of the same idea when we put these five, um, these five elements together. Uh, you know, the secure attachment is the foundation by which all of these others are built upon, and each one builds on the the foundation of the previous element. But I would say secure attachment is you know if you, if if there's a place that we can start, it's right there. And um, you know, it. I'm thinking about uh, my, you know my my oldest daughter Tiffany. I mean, she's now she's 37 and and has given us a, a beautiful grandbaby. But I can remember when she was in college, and and you know she was. She was struggling. I mean, she was that that type of a child. Her personality was more of an introvert, and and you know she was kind of our academic child that just wanted to to be in the books all the time. And so she didn't. She really didn't have some strong relationship skills. But when she went off to college, man, I'm telling you what. She in some ways she just fell completely off the rails. And you know, we were and her and, and myself and my and my wife Lynn. I mean, there were many nights that we sat and were really concerned about her. And and we we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. But, you know, the one thing that, that we really believed this, this child would do was that she would come back to home base. And she did. I mean, when she when it, when it got so to the point where she needed her, her mom and dad, well, she picked up the phone and she called. Now, does that mean she was she was willing to listen to everything we had to say? And the answer to that is no. But just as, as parents can do with, with children right now, you know, I've heard it said that you don't reach your child's heart with your finger on their nose. And you know if we can if we can mix in those words of encouragement and affirmation and and just put our uh, an arm around them when you know when we know that they're that they're frustrated or or they're or they're just discouraged, you know that right there begins to build an attachment with these children that that is is lifelong. But now the key is Carmen, and you know this all too well, is that is that commitment is is so important. I mean we can't we we're going to get frustrated, but that doesn't mean that we we have the 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 option to quit. Uh, you know, not only has God give us incredible responsibility to raise our children, but but He's also He wants us to do it in a way that's going to glorify Him. And so I would say that secure attachment is one of the uh, one of the the really the most important parts of this whole of all five of these elements. Dewey, when um, when folks are listening right now and they're saying to themselves, um, "I need help with that. I know I need help with that," um, but it's too late. It's too late. What do you say to them? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's easy to understand that because you you think that man, every decision that this child makes, and, and two things. One, uh, and I'm going to talk more from a, a, a clinical or a physiological perspective. Well, first of all. Uh, the parts of the brain for a teenager that is is that 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 assesses risk uh, that is continually developing. I mean, from the time that they're born all the way you know, to the, the their adulthood, and it begins to mature through their teenage years. Now, some of us might think, "Well, that's that's not my child," but in actuality, it is. I mean, and what it means is that these kids are going to take risk uh, because. The, the area of the brain that evaluates and determines consequences, 
that doesn't fully mature until these until these kids are 25 and sometimes 30 years of age. And so uh, I want to say that to encourage parents to know that, that you know, that a lot of times these kids are taking risks not to be defiant of the parent. Uh, they're doing it just simply because that's that's their chemical makeup. That's the way God created us to be. And strangely enough, that's the way the brain uh, operates. But there's something else about the brain that they that really research has just determined over the last three and a half to four decades is something called neuroplasticity. And while we may think that our children and our teenagers are not able to learn new things, uh, even all the way up into adulthood, man, can I, as, as, as I as a parent, can I, can I really teach my child new things? Yes, you can, because neuroplasticity speaks about the, re, the reforming or the reshaping of the brain through the reconnection of neural cell assemblies. And, you know, for many years up until uh, the mid-'80s, we thought that when, when neurons and neural cell assemblies died and were disconnected, that they were no longer able to regenerate and reconnect. But that's not true. Science is, is now showing that, uh, that these neural cell assemblies and these neurons can actually reconnect. And so that should give us parents that, you know, that are wondering, man, will, will my child ever get it, uh, that it's so important to be consistent in our actions. You know, neuroplasticity, when you frame it that way, sounds a whole lot like spiritual formation and discipleship. Like, right? I mean, you know, conform no longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That sounds like a Bible verse about neuroplasticity. It is. Uh, it definitely is. And, you know, and and, and uh, Paul said the same thing in Philippians in chapter 2. He says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Well, Carmen, that fits perfectly with that verse that you just quoted out of Romans chapter 12. Is that and you know God in, uh, through Paul implies that we are to you know that we are to renew our minds every single day, and your know, life is a continuum. I mean, we've heard it said that it, that it's a that it you know it's a continuum from beginning to end. Well, a continuum is is just a continual sequence uh, wherein each one of the the elements within that sequence, though if they're if they're adjacent to each other, they're really not that much different. But yet the, the, the two ends are a polarization or a complete antithesis of the other. And the question is, is which direction are you going? Because the, you're going to get there by making one little bitty decision at a time that's not going to look so much different than the adjacent decision that you made the day before. And so that's why it's so important that we renew our mind every single day. I am. Um, I, I, that's fascinating. And I think that's really important. And that is so good. I just love that. All right. Uh, Dewey Wilson um, is uh, is the co-author, along with John Trent, of The Relationally Intelligent Child, Five Keys to Helping Your Kids Connect Well with Others. We've got copies to give away from our friends at Moody. So go ahead and text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Dewey, what a delight. Wow, I've just really enjoyed talking with you today. Well, thank you, Carmen. And then that's right back at you. And I pray you have a wonderful Friday. Thank you. And you as well. All right. Put down the phone. Pick up the baby. It's Carmen's counsel for this hour. We'll be right back. All right. How fun was that conversation? I know. I know. I'm having a great day already. I hope you're having a great day already as well. If you haven't yet been in the word of God, let's get in the word of God before we get out there into the world that God so loves. And yes, for all of you who have been frustrated with some of the technology challenges this morning, um, we know, we recognize it, we're working on it. All right, uh, it is a big weekend for graduations. Uh, and so, you know, be thinking about the kinds of things that you're going to say 
to high school and college graduates as they um, as they move from the environment of learning and all of the community and relationships that those environments provide out into the big wide world. They're going to face new challenges. Uh, let's be sure that we are encouraging them. Let's be sure that we are encouraging them to be knit into uh, a faithful church in the communities where they are going to now be planted. Let's encourage them to, you know, get rooted where they are in Christian community. And let's foster ongoing relationships with them via all the technology that is now available. All right, it's the end of the year for a lot of teachers, so let's be sure we encourage them as well. It's, it, teacher appreciation isn't just a day or a week. Uh, like Teacher appreciation is the way we ought to live. Who helped you grow up in every way into Christ who is the head? Let's reach out and say thanks to those people um, over this weekend. All right, uh, it is Friday. Have a great weekend. God bless. We'll see you right back here, God willing, on Monday morning. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.